It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. About to get into a Bible study. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz. Okay, this We're is... We're running out of options. It's the last, last day. Second last chance. Second last chance to get he, your name in the draw. Here we go. When God first appears to Moses, what does he instruct him to remove? 0491-064-669 is the number to call. If you know the answer, you can give us a call or a text at that number and go into the draw to win A Thousand Shall Fall and No Hal Hitler. Amazing Awesome books that you can win uh, epic testimonies from World War II of people standing up for their faith and living for Christ in a time where they were, you know, forced to live for other things. But again, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And again, that question was, when God first appears to Moses, what does he instruct him to remove? 0491-064-669. Okay, so we've got uh, some text messages coming through. We're going to read what you had to say in the first half of the show. The first one goes back to that story that you were sharing, uh, Lawson, about Mm. the Jewish guy in New York in the Second World War who just handed all of his privacy details, bank account details, everything to an unknown family on the other side of the world Mm. that of course, moved to California, and the family's connected like three generations later. Yeah, that's right. Um, saved a Jewish, a whole Jewish family by doing so. Mm. Okay, what a positive, what a, sh- that, sh- well, let me try this again. <laughs> that was surely a positive news story. Mm. To tell the truth, I would not be surprised if this story was not repeated a thousand times by Jews, the only nation in history to come back after 2,000 years of wandering the world. Survival was very strongly built into their genes. Mm. Yeah, interesting thing is that most wars have been financed by Jewish banking families. Interesting, <laughs> and this and the, and the crazy thing about it is that they would fund both sides of the conflict because mm. you're funding both sides. You can't lose. You make money. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, history should always be remembered, including statues. The whole idea is not to repeat the same mistakes. Unfortunately, it seems world leaders never learn. And this is one of the things you know. You've got we've got all of these statues all over the place, and some people say this person was a good person. Some people say that was a bad person. You have some some statues where everybody says that was a bad person. Mm. Don't get rid of the statue. Mm-hmm. Change the plaque. The simple reality is that every single one of them was a human. They were a broken, sinful human who did bad things. Mm. Maybe some of them did some good things as well, which deserved them getting a statue. Mm. But don't be scared to list the bad things. This is what you find in the Bible. You find word statues of people in the Bible, and when you find a word statue of Abraham... It lists a whole bunch of bad things about it, yep. as well as the good things. When you find a word statue of David, don't even get started on all the bad things that he mm. did. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are worthy of a word statue or a word picture in the Bible, but give the whole story. This is what mm. we need because that's how you can learn from history and avoid repeating those mistakes. Uh, let me see here. The gambling company is keeping the poor poor. Even if a gambler wins big, the chances are they will gamble it away. The suffering to family is, is staggering. The government will never close them as it equates to too much money. Plus, they are not allowed by their handlers, the New World Order boys. Mm. Interesting. Roger, the accountant author, what a great story. Love the way God planted seeds in his life, such as our vegetarian restaurant and takeaway shop in Sydney and the religious tracks. Uh, something or other with John Carter's outreach. I was there. It was at the same outreach. Oh, wow. Small world. We may have, we may even have met as it went 
over 30 days. God bless him and his family. I'll get the book. Even better, you should offer it as a prize. Maybe we will. Yep. Maybe we will. <laughs> Here you go. Maybe at the end of the show. Who knows? Okay, let's see. We've got some more text messages here. I'm with you, Lyle. The atrocities perpetrated in the past should be remembered as what happens when we allow Satan to lead our world. Satan is the one who wants us to forget these events of history. I would agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're upset about a particular statue somewhere, don't go pull the statue down. Make a plaque or even just make an A-board and plant it in front of the statue and tell some history. I agree, but I disagree. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. I think the statue should exist, but just chuck him in a museum. I, I don't know. I'm just like... You feel you feel cringy about having it on the side of a church? That's right. Like, especially this one. Like, why? Like, take it off. Like, say it's bad. Like, because what the no, statue, yeah, what yeah, the yeah, statue yeah. represents. Okay, what the statue represents. Okay, so here's an interesting thought. I'm going to put this out. I'm going to put this out to me, Lark. I did. On. I did. But I'm going to <laughs> talk about you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out to our listeners. 0491064669. Would you worship in a church with an extremely offensive statue on the outside of it? See, this is the thing, right? The extremely offensive statue outside of this church in Wittenberg represents extremely erroneous doctrine. Yes. And therefore, like, if you have extremely extremely erroneous doctrine that you want to get rid of, and this statue represents it, like, like for example, for example, you know, we come on Faith FM and we talk about the confessional within the Catholic Church, and we talk about how it is a tool that is being used. To groom children. To groom children. Yes. So then they're like, okay, you know what? We're not going to use it anymore. But then I'm just like, but what what the confessional represents is just like, again, like it's it's something that is erroneous. It's something that is doesn't represent God. It's something that people use to groom and abuse children. Knock it down. Reconstruct it in a museum. Have it there for people to see. Like I, I think that they should take this statue off the side of the church building and plonk it in the German history museum that everyone can see, you know, this is what took place. But this is a, a, a place that represents God and everything about it represents God. It's teachings, it's people, but also the building itself. So I'm just like, just just take it down, please. I think it has more impact if it's on the side of the church. And I think the church can have more impact in doing good by leaving it there because it is so much more confronting on the side of the church than what it is in a museum. But, but then I'm just like... It is just offensive. Like, oh, it's incredibly offensive. Like it is just beyond offensive. It's just so offensive to Jewish Jewish people. Like yes. So, but I, I'm like, if I was a Jewish and person, that's the whole point. I I wouldn't want to be there. But this is the whole point. The higher the level of offense, the greater the chance it will not be repeated. Of offensiveness, nah, I should say. Well, I don't agree. All I don't right, ag- all right. I do we, not agree. Producer Shell is with again, you as well. Again, I'm being I have ganged to, up on here in the studio, I just have, letting you all know. I have to say, on. I have to say, like, I am not for, yeah, throwing the statues in the river. Like, I think that's the silliest thing ever. But really, like, if... Because I really feel as though it's just this different level when it comes to this statue on the side of the building. Like on the side of the church building. It's just, there's something about it that is just really grating me. I'm like, that is so terrible. And I'm like, this is a place where people should be worshipping God. Let's take it off, put it in a museum, acknowledge the history, but just 
not do it again. Like, that's why we put it in the museum, so that we don't do it again. Because on the other hand, it's like, yeah, we have racist statues on our building, and then it's like, you know, the the thought is like, oh, does this promote racism? And you can say, oh, well, if you chuck a plaque underneath it, it doesn't. If I agree. You, it doesn't. Yeah, but then just just take it off because it is offensive. Like, it actually, I would feel so, like, because it's just so disgusting, like, what it shows. I would feel so hurt as a Jew. It doesn't even, it's not even a statue of Adolf Hitler. Like, that would be bad. This, on in my opinion, is worse. All right, let's know your, let, well, I want to know your thoughts on this. 0491064669. I can hear some uh, text messages coming through. Let's see what they have to say when they arrive. Uh, Which, by the way, if you weren't listening to the section, it is a statue or a carving out of a bunch of Jewish people. Uh, a so Jewish this, rabbi. A Jewish rabbi is grabbing a leg, uh, <laughs> the hind leg of a pig and lifting it up in the air so that a bunch of Jewish children can, like, suckle from its teats. And that is gross. Like, that is disgusting. Yeah. Like, not only from the perspective that it's just, just gross Anyway, general, more text messages we need to talk about. We want to hear what you've got to say. Yeah. It's, it's very, very let's, offensive. Let's, let's, let's have this argument. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win. Um, gambling, smoking, and alcohol are all industries focused solely on destroying the lives of others mm-hmm. for a profit. Mm-hmm. And governments, because they are supported by these industries, are complicit. Yep. The crimes perpetrated by these companies, I wonder how many lives have been destroyed by these industries. Absolutely, totally Mm. agree with uh, that right there. And I have zero sympathy for these companies if they go broke and their perpetrators are thrown in jail. That's where they belong. Anybody who trades in misery should go to jail. Mm. I don't understand why we don't have jail sentences for anyone who owns poker machines. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Uh Uh-huh. That used to be the case. I remember when there was only one casino in the whole of Australia. Mm. It was in Hobart. That was it. Now look at what we have and look at the misery that it has created. Mm. Unbelievable. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay. So we've got some uh, text messages. Some takes. Yeah, some takes. This one's on my side. I agree with you. I'll just change the plaque with the truth about the person. Uh, and then it says, why don't we ask the Jewish community? Okay, the Jewish community wants it gone. Yeah, yeah, we, yep. yep. Uh, let me see here. If your eyes are open to Jesus, you won't see the statue. So. <laughs> what? I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, hey, when I went there. I was blessed by going there. I was blessed by the history that I learnt by being there. But I did see the statue and, and, and I was like super confronted by it mm-hmm. and challenged to be more like Jesus. I think producer Shell wants to say something. She's sitting yeah, on the mic. If you're, walk, if you're walking past a church and your eyes aren't open to Jesus, you're going to look up and you're going to see that statue and you're going to be like, that's what religion is? No, thank you. Yeah, it's a bad witness. But we and need to... And re- it's a really bad example of Christianity. Mm. So if they take it down and they put it in a box, even in the church, you know, in a glass thing with a plaque saying, this is what, you know, we had in our past and we know now that that's not how, you know, we should change the context that sort of of thing. That's, that would be different. It's still acknowledging the history, but it's not disrepresenting Jesus. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a couple of different options. You put it inside the church in a glass box, leave it on the outside of the church with a plaque, 
or put it in a museum. It, or, all, all of them with a plaque. Or all throw it in the river. Or throw it in a river. Which, which option? We, we, okay, don't, which we, don't, want want do. we don't want to do that. But. All right. All right. <laughs> um, let's get to our Bible study, uh-huh. and we will read your text messages as they come through. So mm-hmm. uh, where are we up to? Genesis chapter 42, I think it is. Yeah, that's right. Let's get into it. That's where we have been reading. I'll just open up there. Genesis chapter 42. Wait, no, we're up to 42. Two, yeah, 43 oh, almost, 42. I think. 42, I'm sure it's 42. We're talking about Joseph's, uh, Joseph being uh, playing favourites with Benjamin. Jacob. Jacob. Playing favourites with Benjamin, yes. yes. Uh, then Joseph plays favourites with Benjamin as well. Yeah, that's reason. right. For sure. Okay. Uh, we'll Go. continue on. I think we got up to verse 7. The Bible says, Joseph recognised his brothers instantly, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where are you from, he demanded. From the land of Canaan, they replied. We have come to buy food. Although Joseph recognised his brothers, they didn't recognise him, and he remembered he, the he remembered the dreams he had about them many years before. He said to them, You are spies. You have come to see how vulnerable our land has become. No, my lord, they explained. Your servants have simply come to buy food. We are all brothers, members of the same family. We are honest men, sir. We are not spies. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So Joseph, he recognises these guys straight away. Mm. They wouldn't have been hard to recognise. But what about Joseph? Why don't they recognise him? Yeah, well, because, like, he's an Egyptian king now. I actually saw a... Because I've read this... I remember when I first read the Bible. And I was like, okay, he was 17, and now what? He's, like, 37? Like, that's, that's like, a big age gap. It is a chunk. But that, like, from 17, like, your post-puberty, like, to 30s, I'm like, that's not crazy different looking. Like, I'm like, it's just not. It's just, sorry? Maybe he's put weight on. Ah, Probably not. He's a king in Egypt, but he's, like, a hard-working, awesome dude. He's good-looking. That's what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of in this position where I'm like, why would they not be able to recognize him? But then one day I saw – it was actually a children's cartoon, and it had, like, a depiction of this story, and it kind of showed, like, if Joseph was wearing kingly Egyptian – you know, style, like if he yes. if he had that on, like he had like most of his Which the head. Bible says is what he was wearing. He That's was, right. He was clothed by the Pharaoh. That's how they dressed him up. So he would have had like maybe like a shaved head and maybe some eyeliner because that's what they were into. And then, you know, some robes and a chain. And yeah, it can very much look different to how he did. Very, very different style of dress. And of course, they've got no preconceived uh idea that Joseph is still alive because mm. slaves lived very short hard lives in this era and so why would you go to Egypt expecting to see Joseph mm. and uh, why would you expect to see Joseph i mean his name is Zaphnath Paneah yeah that's right uh why would you expect to see Joseph in Egypt as the prime minister of Egypt i think it's interesting here that and, and i wonder whether Joseph had something to do with this when he received that egyptian name Mm. Because obviously he's going to become very, very famous. Mm. Did he not want his family to find out? Yeah. Did he and, totally embrace this name so that his family didn't find out? And furthermore, we like learn later in the story that he always spoke to them through an interpreter, even though he completely understood yeah, what they were saying. Like, it's he's like just his, his he's, first language. That's right. But he's like playing them to you know just to give off the well the illusion to to hold it up that. Because he recognizes they don't realize who he is. Yes. So he's kind of keep it going for various for for 
for quite a while here for various chapters where, yeah, it's going to lead to some very difficult testing. Okay, so he accuses them of being spies. They're like, no, we are honest men. <laughs> Joseph, is, Joseph is wondering, okay, all right, how honest are you? He throws them in jail uh-huh. where he spent, what, three years in that jail? Mm-hmm. Okay, so he spent a lot of time in that jail. They end up in the same jail. What's going through their mind at this particular point? Let's keep reading. Yeah, and continues on. Yes, you are, Joseph insisted. You have come to see the vulnerability of the land. Uh, we see here, sir, they said, um, there are actually 12 of us. We, your servants, are all brothers, sons of a man living in the land of Canaan. Our youngest brother is back there with our father right now, and one of our brothers is no longer with us. But Joseph insisted, as I said, you are spies. This is how I'll test your story. I swear by the life of Pharaoh that you will never leave Egypt unless your youngest brother comes here. One of you must go and get your brother. I'll keep the rest of you here in prison. Then we'll find out whether your story is true or not. By the life of Pharaoh, if it turns out that you don't have a younger brother, I'll know that you're all spies. So Joseph put them all in prison for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, I am a God-fearing man, and if you do do as I say, you will live. If you really are honest men, choose one of your brothers to remain in prison, and the rest of you may go home with the grain, for you are starving, for your families are starving." But you must bring back your youngest brother to me. This will prove that you are telling the truth and you will not die. To this, they agreed. Okay, so this was a very common practice in those days, Mm -hmm. the practice of holding hostages. Mm -hmm. Hostages were held for a whole slew of different reasons. They were held to keep the peace. They were held to, you know, to keep bargains, to deals, agreements, uh, etc., And so this is not something that the brothers would be unfamiliar with, neither would it be something that Joseph would be unfamiliar with. Mm. This is how things were done for, well, millennia. Mm. Uh, The system of hostages was just... It was just normal. These days, you know, somebody's taken hostage and we think, oh, horror, horror, horror. And it is horror. There's no question about it. But it was not seen as being immoral. Yeah, this is just a down payment. That's right. Mm -hmm. Insurance. In human resources. Yeah, well... Yes, that's how it was. Of course, this was an era of you know slavery and so forth. So he sends them back, and he wants to verify their story because his. But he sends grain with them. Mm-hmm. So Joseph hasn't kept them in prison forever, mm-hmm. and he's sending grain with them because he doesn't want his family to starve. He loves his family. There's no question about this. As you read through this whole story, he is excited to see his family there. He wants to see them survive, and he wants grain to go back. But he also wants to find out. Okay, what do I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. Have my brothers changed? Have they been converted or are they still the evil individuals who sold me into slavery? Mm. They've claimed that they are honest men. But what's actually the situation here? He doesn't know. How would he know? Mm. Now, the brothers, what's going through their mind as they're thrown into prison? Well, we have the transcript right here, exactly what their discussion is. In verse 21, it says, Speaking among themselves, they said, Clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we are in this trouble. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, Reuben asked? But you wouldn't listen, and now we have to answer for it, for his blood. Why do they think this? Because they're in Egypt. Yeah. Where did they send Joseph to? Where did they sell him to? Traders that were going to Egypt. That's right. 
They know that Joseph went to Egypt and now they have gone to Egypt and now they are in deep trouble mm. in Egypt, mm-hmm. the land where they sent Joseph. You can see quite easily how they would start putting these, you know, connecting these dots together. Mm. Okay, and Reuben, of course, he's, he's a little bit upset about this mm. because he was the one as the oldest who took responsibility and said, don't kill him. Mm. And they waited until Reuben wasn't watching and sold and him. sold him, yeah. It's like, if you'd have listened to me, we wouldn't be in this trouble right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they spent three days in that prison, had a little bit of a taste, three-day taste of what Joseph did for three years. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, the final question. Last chance. The final chance to get in to win a thousand shall fall and no Hal Hitler. All right, here we go. Getting treasure by doing this is vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Okay. Let me let me read this. Oh, what way of getting treasure is done by someone seeking death? Okay, so let me, let's just read this together. Let's really understand it. Getting truth by doing this. So you do this thing to get treasure. Uh, and the Bible describes it as vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. If you know what that thing that will you can do to gain treasure that will cause you to die, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. This is also this is a reference from the book of Proverbs. So I'm just giving you a little bit of a hint there, a little bit of a leg up. Again, our prize this morning is a thousand shuffle and no Hal Hitler. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. And finally, getting treasure by doing this is vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. What way of getting treasure is done by someone seeking death? Okay. All right. You know the answer. Give us a call right now. Or shoot us a text message. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. It's your last chance. Let's get back to our story. And, of course, when we're reading this particular story and Joseph's brothers arrive in Egypt and they come to Joseph, and, of mm. course, Egypt is a very, very large country. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of things that you can see here. It was providential that they came to Joseph. Mm. I mean, this is a huge country. Yeah. Joseph has no doubt. You know, he's, he's got storehouses from one end of this country to the other. Mm. And they come to Joseph. Yeah. They don't come to someone that he's delegated to take care of international trade. They come to Joseph. Mm-hmm. And when they come to Joseph, they bow before Joseph. Mm-hmm. Particularly when he accuses them of spies, you can imagine they are, they are bowing all the way down to the ground. Mm. What's significant about that? Uh, that they, they see him as their ruler. What was the prophecy that Joseph was given? <laughs> He'll rule over them. That they would bow to him, and that's exactly what they are doing in this circumstance right here. Okay, so they are bowing to Joseph, and then, of course, Joseph sends them back with food. Who gets to stay? Let's let's read through and find out who gets to stay. Okay, so, oh, dude, I just just want to read this part. I'm going to try not to, like, I read ahead as we came to the end of the last section. I started, like, tearing up because this part is hectic. So they go back and forth, and they're like, we shouldn't have sold Joseph, that's why we're in this trouble, Reuben's like, uh, but you wouldn't listen and now we have to answer for his blood. Like, they're f- freaking out having this crisis because, like, we did the wrong thing. 
and now we're in trouble. And they're fully recognizing and owning up to it. And then the next verse, verse 23, of course, they didn't know that Joseph understood them, for he had been speaking to them through an interpreter. Now he turned away from them and began to weep. When he regained his composure, he spoke to them again. Then he chose Simeon from among them and had him tied up right before their eyes. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men's sacks with grains, but he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the brothers loaded their donkeys with grain and headed for home. Okay, so let's just think about this for a moment because Joseph is the one who selects the brother that he's going to keep in prison. Mm. How do you think he goes about selecting that particular brother? Why does he pick on Simeon, do you think? Well, Simeon's the second oldest. And so I'm thinking, I can't remember back to the story. I don't know if it's necessarily him who suggested anything. In fact, when Joseph was kind of getting accused and having these dreams and mouthing off to his brothers, he's with the brothers of Bilhah and Zilpah, who that is not Simeon. Simeon is the son of uh, Leah, but he's the second oldest. Reuben's the oldest. Simeon, so why not pick on Reuben? I think because Reuben had mercy, right? Reuben had nothing to do with it, really. Yeah. Reuben was the one who spared his life when they wanted to kill him. Mm. Reuben was the one who was not there when he was sold. Mm. So he doesn't pick on the oldest. He doesn't pick on the one who was actually responsible at the time which indicates that he's picking on the one who was responsible for what happened to him. Yeah, because Simeon is the oldest, he would have been the instigator yes. and also the one that let it happen yes. because we know Reuben didn't, right? Reuben yes. was the one who tried to save him. And so what do you think that that is doing in the minds of the brothers as they are heading back? Oh, they know. They're they, like, they know. Yeah. They know. They know that they are being punished for what they did. Mm. And, 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 and the thing is they travel back, they know they've gone to Egypt where they sold Joseph. Mm. They know that Simeon, the instigator of selling Joseph and wanting to kill Joseph, is there in Egypt mm. as a prisoner. They know that this is, you know, God is at work here and this is their punishment from God. And what are they going to say to their father when they get back? They're in a tough position yeah. because they can't exactly go back and say, well, you know what, back in the day we actually didn't find Joseph's coat of many colours in the field. We actually sold him as a slave to Egypt and <laughs> now we're being punished for it Oof. and so Simeon's down there. Mm. Well, I guess at least they have some kind of cover. It's like, oh, they think we're spies and we need to go back to rescue Simeon. But, Yeah. It, it's it, it's just going to this this incident. You know that it has been giving them stomach acid for their entire lives ever mm. since it happened. Yeah, for the last twenty years they have been suffering mm. with their conscience, and now that's all been revived. It's all been stirred up, and they are suffering again. Yeah, that's right. Like if they had gotten over it, then it just wouldn't even come up. But the fact that immediately it's like we're in trouble. Oh, it's yep. And then immediately Simeon gets picked out. Yeah. And he's in jail. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. So he sends them back with their grain. He sends them back with their money. He's not going to charge him for grain. He's, they're his family. Yeah, that's right. Sends them back with their money. 
and sends them back to their father. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when they come back because he has not sent them back with enough grain to survive what is coming. Mm. It picks up in verse 27. It says, But when they stopped for the night and they opened their sacks uh, to get the grain for the donkey, you know, they found money at the top of the sack. Look! Uh, one of the brothers exclaimed, My money has been returned. It's here in my sack. Then their hearts sank. Trembling, they said to each other, What has God done to us? When the brothers came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him everything that had happened to them. The man who is the governor Mm, of the land spoke very harshly to us. They told him he accused us of being spies in uh, scouting the land. But we said, we are honest men, not spies. We are 12 brothers, sons of one father. One brother is no longer with us, and the youngest is at home in the land of Canaan. Then the man who is the governor of the land told us, this is how I'll find out whether you're honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me, take the grain for your starving families and go home, but you must bring your youngest brother back to me. Then I will know that you are honest men and not spies. Then I will give you back your brother and you will, you may trade freely in the land. Ooh. How do you think Joseph's going to respond to this? Going to let Benjamin go head south? Well, he wouldn't want to. No, because Benjamin is the last of his favourites. He had two mm. favourite sons from his favourite wife. His uh, story of being uh, of favourites, he was the favourite son of his mother. His father had a favourite son. There is favourites, favourites, favourites all the way down through here, which is such a great lesson for parents of what not to do. And, of course, now he's got, you know, he's an old man. He has a young son whose name is Benjamin. Is he going to let Benjamin go? What does the Bible say? Uh, well, he says, my son will not go down with you. My, his brother Joseph is dead and he is all that I have left. If anything should happen to him on your journey, you would send this grieving whitehead man to his grave. Yes. And so he has been grieving for Joseph this entire time. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back. That was Liberty with Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. Mm. It's Friday, Lawson. Yes. Okay. I hand it over to you. Well, essentially, we've come to the time, guys, where we draw the prize. We've been promoting. We've been talking about how awesome these books are. We've been giving you all the questions. But right now, it's time to spin the wheel. So let's go. Oh, can, can you hear it? It's spinning. It's counting down. It's getting slower and slower and slower. Yay! Okay, there we go. All right, so we are going to get them. Well, before, we have a winner. We, have we, a winner. we definitely we have, have a winner. winner. I'm going to quickly read through some of the answers to the quiz. Let's see. Uh, we'll try and get them on the phone. That's right. Uh, the answers were Laban. Uh, the next answer was a coin slash sheep. Uh, the next answer, question number three, was handwriting on the wall. Number four was his sandals. And finally, the last answer uh, for the quiz today was lying. Now, we know who this person is. Uh, we are attempting to get them on the phone. But before we do, we might just dive into... Yeah, let's do question of the day. Let's yeah, do let's question do question of the, of the day. So, Lyle, our question of the day today is, what... Does Psalms 129 and verse 3 mean? Okay, verse 3 says, The plowers plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. Do we have anyone on the phone? No, we don't have anyone on the phone. Okay, so we can announce a name then? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, shout out Julia. 
Julia, congratulations. For absolutely smashing it and winning these prizes. A Thousand Shall Fall and No Hull Hitler. Amazing, incredible, awesome books that we wholeheartedly recommend because we both read them. Absolutely. So, Julia, once you've read them, uh, we want you to uh, send us through a review. Yes. Rate each one. Tell us what you think. Mm, awesome. But All right. Yeah. So this this interesting passage right here. The Bible says, The plows plowed upon my back, they made long their furrows. What is the Bible talking about here? Okay. This is answered by looking at the context. That was verse 3 of Psalms 129. This is a psalm that was sung by, sung by pilgrims who were going to Jerusalem for the annual feasts that were held at Jerusalem. In verse 1, the Bible says, Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say. The key to understanding this is understanding who is me. Because in this case, it is not the psalmist. Me is Israel. Notice what it says. Many a time have they afflicted me from my youth, may Israel now say, or in the NLT it says from my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let all Israel repeat this. So it's Israel that was persecuted. So this is a psalm that points back to their time in the land of Egypt where they were, where they were, uh, where, where, points back to the time in Egypt where they were slaves. Mm. And of course, as being slaves, they were regularly beaten with whips. And so many times have they afflicted me when Israel was in its youth, mm. when it was a young nation. They were slaves being beaten by whips. Many times have they afflicted me from my youth. So it's pointing back to the early history of Israel. Mm. Yet they have not prevailed against me. Why? Because we're on our way to Jerusalem right now to worship gods. They didn't prevail. The plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. How did they do that? Well, when you plow a plot of land, you rip that land apart. Mm. In long, straight lines, when you whip somebody's back, you rip their back apart in long, straight lines. It's literally talking about what literally happened to them as slaves in Egypt. But then the next verse says, The Lord is righteous. He has cut off the cords of the wicked. Let them all be confounded and turn back that hate Zion. So now it goes on to talk about those who hate God's people, who hate the nation of Israel. It says, Let them be like grass on the housetop which withers before it even gets to grow up, wherewith the mower does not fill his hand, nor he that binds sheaves to his bosom. Neither do they which go by say, the blessing of the Lord be upon you. In other words, speaking of the Egyptians Mm. and speaking of those who hate Israel. Don't let anybody say the blessing of the Lord be upon you if you hate Israel. Mm. Let's not that happen. Uh, In NLT it says, and may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord bless you. We bless you in the Lord's name. They don't get that blessing. Why? Because by hating on Israel, they were actually hating on God because Israel is God's people. Israel is God's church. So this was a song that was sung by pilgrims who were going to the annual feasts in Jerusalem. And it is a song remembering that they were slaves and that they have been delivered from slavery and are now free in the grace of God. So that's that's the historical context of it, of course, for us. The same thing applies when we come to Jesus. We are to remember that we were slaves to sin and we have been set free by his grace. As slaves to sin, Satan tried to beat us, but Jesus has made us free. We've come to the end of the show. And of course, congratulations to Julia who won this week's prize. Now, I want to share some stats on our quiz because we Uh have a weekly quiz now. And you can enter as many times as you can get a correct answer. Mm. And so our winner for this week had entered seven times, seven times out of 25. 
Uh, the record for this week was uh, 14 out of 25. So that the rec- this week's record was held by Greg, who got in 14 times out of 25. There were seven people who only entered once. Mm-hmm. So the key to winning this is to get in as many entries as you possibly can. It increases your chances of winning quite dramatically. So we want you to participate in every question that comes up. Just shoot us a quick text message and you will get multiple opportunities to win the prize each week. And, of course, that's going to restart again next week with a new prize. Of course, as we go through this day, don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.